welcome to the Wheels Buffy Podcast, where we're built for comfort and not for speed. the way it's buffy podcast where we're built for comfort and not for speed man we got a very very special interview um brother Diz, go ahead and introduce the guest all right today we have a special uh guest on the show um professor doctor writer hip-hop enthusiast dr t.l osborne thank you for joining us hello, dr hello, osborne hello. can you hear us hello how are you guys we're good we're, we're good. good we're, we're good, good. So, Dr. Osborne, we're going to hop right into it. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Thanks for coming on. So, we're going to hop right into it. So, where where are you from? Where are you from originally? I'm born and raised in actually uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, the city to be specific, uh, West Side. So, I've been all over from the Walbrook Junction area to uh, the Emerson Village area. Um, and that's pretty much where I've been born and in Liberty, the Liberty uh, Heights area. Is the other area I'm from. So it's funny that you bring a Warburg Junction. I'm from Warburg Junction myself, right? And when mm-hmm. I was doing my research, I saw your picture and I was like, I know her. <laughs> like, I know her face. I was going to ask you, did you go to Polly? But maybe I know you from around the way for real. I actually both probably and will probably end it uh, past around the way. I'll go. Uh, I went to Western, actually. Western. So, okay, okay. Um, yeah, shout so, out to all the uh, Western doves. Um, I de- uh, that's the high school that I went to. And I also went to uh, Roland Park. I went, it's okay. So do you know what? I probably saw you all my life on the fifteen. Absolutely. Yep, <laughs> yep, so definitely, because I, I was sitting thinking of um, your your name as well, and so I'm pretty much sure that we were around the same circle. Pretty much. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Junction love in the building, sir. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you you are Doctor Osborne. How did you get those credentials? Yep. Uh, basically, um, the shortest version of the story is I've been in school since pre-K. Mm. So um, very early on, I decided to uh, go to school and stay in school mm-hmm. um, all the way through so uh, that hopefully I would be able to get my degree. And then the second and third chapters of um, and fourth chapters of my life, I'm a, you know, I'll have schooling under um, my belt. But I am a lifetime learner, but I basically uh, just fell in love with um, school, but not necessarily school curriculum, mm-hmm. but aspects of certain topics and teachers. And so um, one thing that I wanted to do, I didn't like some of the ways that other teachers taught with the curriculum. So mm-hmm. I said, I want to go to school, um, get a degree in education and actually change the curriculum and make it more relevant to me as an African-American and also to the people that uh, look and grew up in neighborhoods like me and listen to music like I listen to. So um, the only way uh, to get your respect and uh, be validated in certain arenas is to have your degree. So um, that's the other reason I went to school. But I've always had a, you know, a passion and affinity for um, the book and just education in general. So you don't have a doctorate in hip hop then? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so at the t- at the time, I couldn't do my um, dissertation on actually hip hop because mm-hmm. the world uh, was not necessarily ready for it. I got my doctorate in 2012. So, okay. um, 
it, you know, it's moving towards that way, being validated, but it's hard to argue uh, when you go to get your uh, doctorate for the panel and them seeing the relevant because it's people from all different aspects. So I just, you know, picked a, a topic regarding race and education. Okay. And, um, you know, different topics like that. But once I got that under my belt, they told me, once you get your degree, you can write about whatever you want. Mm. So that's what I did. I did what I had to do so I can do what I wanted to do. So are you are you a former MC yourself or have you done anything musically coming up? Um, I am not an MC, but in my mind, I am. I used to uh, <laughs> write rhymes and battle people after school on um, back when, I guess, uh, dial-up AOL. So I can battle you if I can have time to write it down, but that's not my uh, trade. But, I, you know, I can spit some bars if I had to sit down and had time, but that's not necessarily my craft uh, to the fullest. How about you guys? We are both former MCs and shit. Absolutely. Okay. And sometimes, I, sometimes I sit back and write around here and there, but nothing that you're over here ever. <laughs> <laughs> so got you, got you. You seem to. So the reason I asked that because because for someone to to actually grow up, get their doctorate, teach a class in hip hop, um, I figured that you must have come up really like really influenced by hip hop. Um, who are some of your your favorite artists coming up? Um, without giving away too much, my favorite, um, I got turned on to hip hop from my older sister and she played, uh, Method Man, Red Man, Wu-Tang Clan, but I fell in love with hip hop listening to Little Kim. Word. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's the opposite, but yes, I literally would rhyme Little Kim like I wrote Little Kim. Mm. And, um, it actually got me in trouble on more than one occasion because, you know, when you're young, you think in your mind you're about to skip the curse word and you instead say it. So, right, right, you know, right. I'm, ride, I'm riding to school and I'm saying Lil' Kim and I'm singing Queen B and I'm not, I made a mistake and didn't skip the word in the car. So, mm. um, but that's, that's the music I grew up. That's really uh, her, her power and her prowess and her delivery um, is what made me really uh, enjoy uh, rap and get exposed to the culture in general and that was the first concert i went to um the bad boy reunion actually right um before the reunion but the when they came to baltimore when i think i was around maybe 11 it was the middle of the week or something mm. and my mom didn't know uh where we were going but my sister took me to um the concert and right she didn't she didn't know she just thought we were just going to listen you know, and see performers, and, you know, I saw the whole performance, everything like that, and, you know, I came back home, and I was like, I'm going to um, teach this one day, mm. and, you know, expose people, not just to her, of course, but just the culture, and she always was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell, you know, the past, I'm going to tell, you know, that you're listening to this nasty music, and mm. I just laugh, like, <laughs> tell them, I'm going to, I'm going to teach this one day, so, you know, lo and behold, you know, I had an opportunity and I've been running with it, you know, ever since. But um, those are pretty much, you know, of course, Tupac, right. Biggie, that, you know, those individuals, um, Queen Latifah, uh, MC Light, you know, very diverse across, you know, the board um, who I listened to and, and enjoyed. And um, currently I'm just right now, uh, what's funny is I'm listening to a lot of Jada Kiss right now. Right. And, um a little bit of Chance the Rapper and a lot of old school um, 
music. So I see that you have a lot of female rappers um, that you listen to. Now, female rappers seem to have a tough time of being taken seriously uh, without selling mm-hmm. sex. What, what's your take on that? Do you think there's a female rapper that... Um, Go ahead. No, I was going to let you finish. Uh-huh, you were just... I know, I was just saying, like, do you think that, that a female rapper... So you had your Latifas and your lights, but do you think that a female rapper in 2016 would be able to come out without selling sex or without being overt, overtly gangster? I think she could if the population of female rappers were diverse like it was mm. in the 90s. So like you just mentioned, um, each artist was able to offset the other right so you got a missy who you know talks about sex but she wasn't dressing sexy you know and sort of you know hot beats and and great music singing and um rapping together you had you know tlc you had little kim everybody had a lane that they were filling Mm -hmm. um right now the only you know sex has itself and will continue to sell but i think it's difficult to, you know, be a Lauryn Hill or a triple threat mm-hmm. in an era where, you know, right now the top selling females have a format and that's what everybody is trying to be like. Right. But, you know, I do have hope and I know that history sort of transitions and repeats itself. So I think it's a cycle of female MCs that will emerge more and more. But I do not necessarily, unfortunately, I can't tell if it'll be, you know, later than uh, sooner. But I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, You know, if Little Kim and Foxy are going to take that lane, then like I said, you know, you had the Queen, Latifahs, and the Moni Love. So you had MC Light. And, you know, everybody was able to make each other comfortable. But Mm -hmm. if I'm in a room full of females and everybody is dressed, uh, scantily and just talk about one topic and that's what's making money I would feel insecure to you know say my message I would still say it but I wouldn't expect to sell you know I'd be doing it for the pure craft of it and not necessarily the the uh, commercial side of it so what is your opinion on the current state of hip-hop like the mumble rap and all of these different you know what, what do you feel that's about that funny because <laughs> That's one of those uh, conversations where, to me, it's um, heavy. It's it's layered. I think I heard uh, your opinion um, in one of your posts where you made a great point, and you know I agree with it, and I you know shared the same sentiment. Um, it is definitely an evolved aspect of hip hop, and mm. like you mentioned, it's not one that everybody will like. Right. But that's where hip hop is. It part of it is the evolution and the creativity and you know, just like everything in life, there is a generation that did not like hip hop music. Mm-hmm. Even though that was the most important music to me and my generation. So, you know, there are a lot of mumble uh rap supporters. It is a part it's not my cup of tea personally. Um, but I understand um the audience the craft and the niche that they're in and their ability to, you know, succeed in that area. Of course, I wouldn't want, you know, people to begin to look at it and go, hey, this is, you know, this is what hip hop has evolved to. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, if people knew the history and just the roots of it, like, you know, hip hop evolves into 
separate umbrella uh, genres and mixes and different things. So, you know, mumble is not my cup of tea, but I get it. People listen to it and like it, you know, so so be it, you right. know. So, you know, I respect it from that uh, point of view as well as those guys who are creatively becoming uh, financially lucrative from it and succeeding in it. But I cannot wait until, you know, people do uh, do more than just, you know, focus on that and, you know, bring back a little bit more of, like I said, diversity across the board with it. But every, you know, aspect of the evolution gets its time to shine. I do not think that um, that moment for mumble rap will last very long, though. Now, you're a teacher, and... Mm-hmm. We have a segment on the show. Okay. It's called Shooting the Five, hashtag ST5. I'm sorry. Did you did I take your part? I'm sorry. Hashtag ST5, hashtag shoot the five at Wes Buffy. What are your okay. who are your top five teachers through rap? No particular order. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Your top five teachers okay. through rap. Now, when you say teachers, do you mean people that actually write about or just anybody in hip-hop that I've learned from? Anybody in hip-hop that you learn from. We're going to keep it wide open. Top five people that teach um, through their rhymes. That teach through their rhymes. Okay. Um, mm, And I heard you guys. I think you guys did the the videos um, in your last podcast. Um, Top five teachings. Of course, it's going to be Tupac. Mm. Um, that's together. Um, I'm actually going to go with, like I said, I'm playing, uh, you know, replaying. Um, I'm going to put Jada Kiss in there. Nine um, in there as well. Um, J. Cole. Mm. And I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with a with a split if I can with Jay Z and old Kanye. Is that five? Yeah, that, that'll be that's, five. That's five and a half. Five and a half, exactly. <laughs> five and a half. Five and a half. And I literally mean old Kanye, not not you know some new, but mostly old Kanye. The old Kanye. Now, yeah. Let's talk about your book. What 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 is the inspiration behind writing that book? Um, the, the primary inspiration, um, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, is I really did not like how uh, African-American history was being taught in schools, um, anywhere from elementary, middle school, all the way up um, to high school and even college, um, mm-hmm. bachelor's level. Um, and me not liking the way the information was delivered made me want to, um, at some point in time in my life, develop an aspect of history to me that showed not just that slave side or that um, limited perspective of weakness, but being strong in the midst of being weak. And also, I was curious why I have a natural affinity for music. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that you know, no other culture has it um, in terms of instruments or beats. But for me, I'm so at peace, and that's my most calming moment listening, you know, to music. Like, I listen to music all day, um, every day. And so part of my personal interest and love for hip-hop 
made me want to trace the culture beyond just the 1970s or it started in New York or did it start, you know, what was happening in California while it was starting in New York. So Mm -hmm. it made me just want to look deeper and, you know, find out the history of my particular culture and how it ends up becoming this, you know, multifaceted phenomenon and, you know, billion dollar industry locally and internationally. So um, with wanting to know that information, um, it was just a matter of time of sitting and putting the pieces together. Like some classes I would learn about this, other classes I didn't learn it, so I had to go to the library and actually, you know, read books and uh, find out, you know, information that I wasn't privy to, like the Black Wall Street or, you know, um, the true story of the Black Panthers, not just that this was a group that hated white people and cops. So, you know, that that is what really uh, triggered me to want to know more and sit down and actually write the book from um, a perspective of somebody who's actually in the hip-hop um, era as opposed to maybe somebody who was older on the border of it. Now, does your book or, or even your class delve into any of the other facets of hip-hop out, outside of strictly the music? Um, yeah, so um, it's... Twofold. Uh, the first volume of the book does the past, and the volume two does the current and the evolution of the elements. So, mm-hmm. uh, typically in hip hop right now, uh, people are familiar with the basic four elements: rapping, or MCing, DJing, breakdancing, graffiti, occasionally beatboxing, and you know I think knowledge and health is floating in there. So. Um, the book and my class definitely goes into how, you know, technology, um, hustling, collaboration, um, fashion, those sort of uh, aspects, uh, history, slang that uh, might not be mentioned now. So, um, and it also talks about uh, the music having a message as well as um, a political message as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the second volume is more... Uh, 1970s up until 2016, whereas the pre- the first volume is, you know, setting the foundation. And that's what I do in my class because so many people come with a different perspective of what hip-hop is and not knowing the difference between the culture and rapping. And so rather than start with where they are, I build everybody up from the foundation starting back in Africa so that by the time we talk about current-day hip-hop and it's history. People have a level of knowledge across the board in the classroom where they're able to see the connections more clearly. So, you know, I've been privileged to be able to teach the material from anybody from 13. I think my oldest student at one point in time was uh, in their 80s, their yeah. early 80s. So, yeah. you know, um, so, you know, older people, what's interesting is a lot of them do only know the profane side of the culture mm-hmm. or rather the rap. And so when they take the class, they're like, you know, I apologize in a sense because I didn't know the creativity and the talent and where all of this emerged. I just hear the yelling and the anger. Right. I don't, I never sat and pieced it together. So, you know, but that's, you know, that's how the class is structured so that, you know, nobody is just making it about, you know, necessarily the people in the culture, but more why did this culture emerge and why is what the culture was talking about in the 70s so relevant now, given, you know, what's happening in terms of black-on-black violence, police brutality, 
You know, it's just like looking through a, a lens and seeing things kind of repeat all over again. Right. Now, now let's stick with the technology piece. Uh, one of the things that my partner has said is that the Internet has kind of it's kind of merged everybody regionally. Um, like we all thought that when when Wiz first came out, we was like, oh, he must be from Cali. You know, what I mean, um, how do you how do you feel about how technology has affected hip hop for the better or for the worse? Um, I think the worst part, I'm sure, that artists felt is the the thievery. I think what was it, LimeWire or different websites? I think that was the 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 downside to having technology is the potential to get hacked or your music, you know, put outside of your parameters or you know your personal business just being out there that you might want it want it uh, to be hidden. But I think the best part of technology is the you know the access. Um, I love seeing people from all, you know, not just hearing about it, but actually seeing pictures and, you know, social media, being able to connect with people all over the world and hear, you know, how much they love hip hop, but also be exposed to their response and spin on hip hop culture. Um, You know, for the longest time you could imagine and you would, you know, know that, of course, the music was traveling, but you're not, you know, now you get to, uh, see it and and feel it and you know experience it without ever having to uh, leave your home. Um, I, right now, I, um, I was communicating with a university out in uh, Great Britain uh, that I believe is about to have the first Black Studies minor, and I'm communicating with them about bringing the hip hop history in their curriculum while they're teaching about American history, um, Mm. as well as the importance of uh, black history over there. So, you know, having to share that information is, you know, uh, remarkable. I mean, you can literally, you don't have to stop the radio station anymore. You don't have to go through uh, all of those other phases to get noticed. You can, you know, be an independent artist and gain buzz and, you know, be successful, sort of like, you know, what Soldier Boy did uh, and, and his creativity. So, you know, to me, he's one of the pioneers in opening that uh, gate open. So, you know, it, it, technology is, is a great thing when it's, you know, used and uh, taken advantage of successfully, but it also is a dangerous tool as well. Okay, so so I'm, um, I'm aware of... Uh of classes, I think I'm familiar with. Uh, I think Ninth Wonder teaches a, um, a class at Duke, which I think he he started uh-huh. at uh, North Carolina Central. Um, I believe uh, Play from Kid and Play teaches a class down at uh, North Carolina Central. Um, when you when you you came up with your curriculum, um, did you look to them or or how did you develop your curriculum? So one of the things that. Um What's interesting is, like I mentioned before, uh, I knew what I wanted to teach when I was maybe 11, 12, or 13. And so what I, because I knew what I wanted to be when I got older, I actually began uh, plugging in how, if I ever taught a class, how my curriculum would look. So I already had books that had notes in it about how I would design the course. So by the time... I got the opportunity uh, to teach. I had already had the curriculum sort of developed. One thing that I didn't do was look at, I know they um, are teaching more recently. I made a point now, now that everything is um, officially separated and legit, I do look at uh, different curriculum 
uh, across the board now. But when I was developing it, I did not want it to uh, interfere or erase the direction I was going. And sometimes if you research what other people may be doing, you might not let the uniqueness of what you're trying to do come out because you'll see them and you you may begin to mimic them as opposed to, you know, follow your own direction and lane. So um, so in, in terms of that, that's how I uh, developed the curriculum. But it basically, the curriculum is a reflection of my growth and my love for, for hip-hop. So each stage that I write about is sort of the stages that I learned about the culture and that's how it's presented. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, it's the Where's Buffy podcast where we're built for comfort and not for speed. I hope you're enjoying this interview. Be sure to check out our weekly podcast covering hip-hop, sports, and everything in between. We're available every Saturday on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Where'sBuffy.com. And now, back to your interview. interview. Gosh, you're scaring me. That's, <laughs> that's, that's um, deep. And the only reason I'm saying it is because I grew up with Aaliyah, and I will never forget when she did, you know, the, what was it, the MTV Diary, and they asked her that question, and, you know, unfortunately, she passed away shortly after. So I'm oh, very wow. terrified of that question, you know, just growing up in that era. But um, if I were to say my legacy, um, my legacy would be to empower people through knowledge of the value of history, especially from of African Americans and their contribution to all styles of music, including specifically hip hop. And so, you know, every opportunity I get to speak or somebody gets to meet me or listen to me and uh, has an opportunity to pick up a nugget from what I'm saying and, and connecting it, um, empowers me. Um, I've been teaching since um, literally the early part of 2000, this curriculum, but officially on a college level since 2006. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine the number of students that have enrolled and that I've connected with since teaching in the different classrooms and times that I teach, it has allowed, if I look at everybody that's been, you know, under my voice or in my class, they've taken that information and shared it. And I still get emails from students five, ten, two years ago, last semester saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea, you know, how instrumental or, you know, history was, especially African-American. And they spread the information. A lot of times they take it to their uh, four-year colleges, um, or, you know, there are other programs, and they'll be like, you know, this is where I learned this information. And they'll call me and say, hey, can you talk to, you know, my new teacher about what you, you know, I, I presented on this and I thought of you. So, you know, for me, that the legacy is passing and sharing the information and the knowledge. It's not dying, you know, with my generation. It's actually going beyond it. And so, you know, I'm glad to be able to contribute, you know, to that and hopefully one day they'll talk about hip hop history like they do all other genres and eras of history. Okay. Now at at the Wiz Buffy Park oh, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um so <laughs> I was getting real real I had to put my real white man voice on. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's That's let's let's stereotype. No, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing. No, but not so 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 speaking of, of 
race, do you think um, there is a um, what do you think the play the, the role race plays and how big a role does play race play in hip hop? Um, I'm not sure because I'm of the belief I'll never I, I believe um, that Russell Simmons uh, made a statement and he got a lot of flack for uh, stating it. But I believe in one of his or several of his interviews, he said that hip hop music in the culture has the ability to heal race relations more than any other movement in history, True. including the civil rights movement. Now, that was a bold statement for him to say, and I will never forget how many people, you know, wild out and got upset with him on saying it. But I understood what he meant when he said it. So... You know, music has, when it comes to race relations, I think society-wise, unfortunately, it will continue to be a problem um, when you are not educated and you don't understand race relations. Mm -hmm. So having a class like this or having any class that doesn't shy away from race and the controversy is good because you're able to educate people on why there's attention why there's a disbelief in the, you know, government or why there's a distrust with police officers. So in my classes, when we talk about racially sensitive issues, instead of it being silent, people are comfortable enough to acknowledge, oh, my goodness, when I get pulled over, I'm actually fussing at the officer if I'm of another race, saying, why would you pull me over? As opposed to someone who's of a black race, paranoid, let me hit my phone, let me put it on so somebody can hear it, let me keep my hands at 10 and 2. It's two different mindsets. So when we talk about it and have a conversation, it heals and it gets better. And, you know, with music, I think music allows, when, it, when you hear good music, you don't think about race. And so for me, and when it comes to hip-hop, I do not think that race is more of an issue when the music is on or you go to a concert than it is when it stops. And so, you know, that's the whole point is it unites, but, you know, having the conversations and the knowledge of uh, the culture and, and some of the aspects of the music adds on and suits, sort of eases the tension. But when you look at supporters of hip-hop, they're all different colors, especially the people that go to the concerts and buy the T-shirts and the laminates and everything there. So, you know, that that's a huge uh a huge uh mark against how, you know, things have evolved. So 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 to kind of make you know, get a little light of it, what are you, what are some of your um because everybody talks about the we, we talked about your educators, your your favorite teachers. Mine of course is probably gonna be KRS one for you know, being known for his moniker as the teacher. Um but let's look at the um, the opposite end of the, the spectrum. Who are some of your guilty... You, you don't have to go five, but just give me some of your guilty pleasures of what you like to listen to, like you enjoy rocking to in your, your private moments in your car. Meaning the outside, the intellectual um, thought process. Absolutely. Meaning if I'm just chilling. Okay. Um, I will probably uh, listen to uh, Drake. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Future. Okay. Um, who else? Um, 2 Chain. 
I'll put some of uh, his music on. Good old um, Titty Boy. Hmm. <laughs> you know, Two Chains um, be spitting though, so I don't. If, you know, man. Two- yeah, he he does. Like, if he is, you know, no no pun. I have yet to you know to meet him personally, but you know, I know I get it. Um, I may sneak and do plies, and I feel kind of weird about that saying that out loud. But plies <laughs> in there. And we could just leave it at that. Like, was that um, is that five yet? Um, no, it didn't have to be five. It didn't have to be five. I enjoyed okay. Plies' Instagram. Absolutely, his Instagram <laughs> yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. Like Nick Cannon. Yeah. But, <laughs> but 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 as far as guilty pleasures, I mean, I'm like like I'm an old dirty fan. Um, you know what okay. I'm saying? Every time he puts something out, and that was my guilty pleasure. I'm I'm the lyrics guy. I am the quote unquote real hip hop guy of the podcast. Um. Why don't, and talking about the real hip-hop, uh, or the quote-unquote real hip-hop, um, why don't you think uh, artists like uh, like yeah, most FC Qualies really caught fire in Baltimore? Even like with, with successes of joints like Get By and Umi Says, um, those type of artists don't seem to get a lot of spin. Or even when that, that, that genre had its, its uprise, it didn't have any a lot of steam in Baltimore. Uh, why do you think that was? Um, I think, and you mentioned, did you mention Wale in there? I did not, but you can you can put him in oh, there too. Oh. Okay, um, and the only reason I'm saying that, because I, re- I actually had a student that was Wale's cousin when he was first coming out and trying to get a deal, because originally, if I'm not mistaken, he was supposed to sign with Jay-Z, and Jay-Z was trying to figure out how to get rid of that sort of go-go sound mm. when he first came out. I think a lot of the music um, had that in. But in regards to the other artists that you mentioned as well, um, Baltimore is a very difficult uh, place. And even, you know, with me being on the educated side, um, it is very difficult a lot of times to um, support the unknown or the up and coming. And I don't know if it's just the cult outside of people who, you know, know you. I mean, the people that actually may have the power to help you cross over or reach, you know, that level of success, like maybe people do in other cities. And I don't know if it's just the culture um, of maybe a crabs in the bucket kind of syndrome or, you know, just people hating on, you know, you you trying to do something or move forward. But I know a lot of artists in Baltimore that I believe are extremely uh, talented and can go pound for pound with the artists you mentioned and, you know, and do it successfully. But, you know, it's, it's just not a lot of um, hip-hop influence or power here behind, you know, a certain, I don't know, maybe it's too many artists or too many people trying to make it. But for me, I don't think necessarily it's their talent that doesn't, crossover appeal it's literally in life it's not unfortunately your talent or what you know but who you know and I you know I I was a starch advocate against that like I'm you know I'm like it's always you can always make it and get there but unfortunately you can't if you don't know the right people so I would probably you know put that as you know one of the reasons it never caught on now, do you listen to any of the local artists? And, and if so, who are some of the ones that you that you prefer to listen to? Um, any local artists that I listen to, uh, to be fully honest with you, are artists that I've met or known. Okay. Um, 
I will occasionally listen to if somebody gained popularity like in our city. But I'm um, there's a rapper named uh, Beto from Baltimore. He just uh, moved to unfortunately California um, uh, with his family and has found a lot of success actually moving to California after leaving here. Mm. Um, there's a young man that is in my class now who um, raps named Driscoll. Um, and there is another Baltimore artist I know uh, named uh, Tamar, and so um, who has an album out called Midnight. So a lot of the individuals whose music I listen to are people that I've actually um, met in person or had a chance to meet at an event or something like that. And so I'm, you know, supporting them. And they have a different sound. Uh, the young man, Tamar, that I mentioned, his is more... Uh, reflective of life as I mentioned his is called Midnight so mm -hmm. it's sort of how it is to survive in Baltimore but you know not just as a male but relationships so his goes through that pattern um, Driscoll the young man is wants to be the face of mental health mm -hmm. so a lot of his music is unique in that it talks about the struggles of mental health and not letting you know, that disease overpower you. And then Bido is an individual who's in between, meaning he can be both commercial and um, underground. But his talent emerged from him growing up um, in terms of the church and also being, you know, a part of outside of the church. So he tried to uh, merge those two styles together as well as intellect. So uh, those are sort of the local artists or underground artists that I listen to currently. Okay. Is it any that you guys would recommend? Oh man, a plethora. Yeah. <laughs> um uh definitely <laughs> oh, um Greenspan, Easy Jackson, Jay Royale, um uh Seneca the Misfit. All all alumni of the podcast. All by alumni the way. of the podcast. Ill Conscious, okay. <laughs> um uh Math Damon, Rome C. Uh, uh, Fever Leo, and I am writing this down. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, <laughs> who else would we add on here? Um, trying to think. Whoa, uh, Nefertiti, the female MC, Femsey, the Femsey, yes, the Femsey. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think. We, we've had like definitely if you get a chance, you know, definitely go through our SoundCloud or iTunes or, or whatever you're on and, uh, and definitely look at some of the people we've had on. We have a lot of dope MCs from the area um, that are doing big things okay. out there in the world. Sure enough. Okay, and do you know these individuals? Like, did, did, did you know them or you just got exposed to them from doing a podcast? Let me find out you're interviewing us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, you see how I flipped that? Yeah, right? yeah. Like, it's kind of I mean, a combination. Show. I don't want to be the only voice on, on y'all show. It's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's kind of a combination of the two. Some of, some of them are, are, are already, um, were already our friends. Um, you know, just coming up because because we we both actually have you know a history in in local hip hop here, but also it's just just people we met you know, on, on the hip hop scene doing the podcast and and it kind of just developing our, our 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 rapport with the city because it's important to us to not only um, not only you know entertain folks, but I want I, I, one of my my personal visions for our show is to kind of unify Baltimore hip hop because we have to get together to kind of be able to push one artist eventually. Right. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's possible a guy Damon Blue might be that next guy. Um Okay. But um 
as far as that goes, um, we, we appreciate we appreciate your contribution to hip hop no to doubt. the city. Um, where, where can folks that want to take your class? Where can they where can they uh, enroll or try to um, take your class? Well, thanks for uh, asking and I and, and allow me to be the plug uh, for that. Um, I'm actually currently teaching at the um, Community College of Baltimore uh, County, and just this fall, the class has gone online. So anybody that's interested in taking um, and learning about the history of hip-hop, um, you can take it online uh, or you can take it in person um, at the school, um, at any campus, Essex, Dundalk, Catonsville, um, Owens Mills web, uh, um, location as well. And, um, you know, I also have a seven-week um, class. The response has been so great um, for the online class and the actual um meeting classes that uh, this semester um, I have extended the class for seven weeks. So there's a seven-week uh, registration class that starts um, October, the week of October 19th. So it will be seven weeks of hip-hop, and in the summer and um, winter semesters, I teach five-week uh, courses about the history of hip-hop. Um, so you can sign up through um, the school, um, CCBC Community College of Baltimore County. You can sign up there. Or um, you can feel free to get the book and learn as you go. And uh, in the book, there is my email uh, to contact me. So if people ever had a question or wanted to chat um, about that, there's a website coming soon uh, for that. But for the most part, in the beginning part of the uh, both volumes of the book is my contact information. I always encourage people, you know, to reach out and chat and um, my social media as well. Um, is at the Hip Hop Lecturer or the Hip Hop Lectures on FBN IG as well as Google. Uh, so what is the name of that? the volumes of your book? Uh, the Hip Hop Lectures Volume 1 and the Hip Hop Lectures Volume 2. And they're available anywhere that books are sold in physical format or um, e-book. So uh, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, anywhere that you can uh, get books. They're actually at the bookstores um, uh, as well at the CCBC uh, multiple campuses. So um, any anytime you want to look at the books, some libraries do uh, have the books along the city and the county um, within the system, but uh, for the most part, you can purchase your book uh, there. As I mentioned before, there is a website uh, coming up probably the end of this year that um, will allow people to, you know, the whole point of it was if you can't take the class, at least you can, you know, and that's the reason for the name of the book, at least you can learn the information and feel like, you know, you're in the class and take the information and share it and teach it from your perspective. So uh, that's why they're called the hip hop lectures, because they're a collection of actual lectures that I teach from in the book. Now, do you do any, like, individual speaking, like, does somebody say, hey, we're having a symposium or something like that? Would, be, would, would, people, be, would people be able to get at you that way as well? Um, absolutely. Um, right now, I've uh, done uh, events at local restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually done them, uh, book lectures and book signings um, at the local libraries. Um, I did one recently at the main branch. Uh, downtown on April 20th, uh, 420. Yeah. So, um, while people were enjoying their day, <laughs> I was actually in the uh, library uh, having a book signing and lecture, and I specifically chose that day for that reason. So, you know, while you chill, you also get knowledge 
on that day as well. So um, we had a very good um, event there and a good turnout. So, you know, when people ask me to come, I come. Um, I have an event coming up at Goucher College on October 19th uh, that is uh, scheduled. That's a Wednesday at, I believe, around 6 o'clock. So um, that will be an upcoming uh, event as well. But anywhere where people are symposium, I am down. I believe Dre Johnson also was trying to put me on with Coppin. They were trying to get one, a hip-hop symposium together, but it never uh, matriculated fully. So, you know, anytime I meet people or contact them through social media, you know, I'm all down. I will, you know, come travel uh, wherever there's a need or a desire to um, have me come and just share my perspective and add to uh, the history. I'm, I'm down and I'm there. All right, so one more time, what is that uh, What is that email? Uh, the email is thehiphoplectures at gmail.com. And all of my social media handles are the Hip Hop Lectures, which is the name of uh, the book, or at the Hip Hop Lecturer for Twitter. All right. Now, before. Google Plus, FB, and IG. That's what's up. Now, before we get out of here. Before we get out of here, this is where I, this is where I jumped the gun and blew my load earlier. <laughs> Before we get out of here, put my white man voice on. Where's Buffy Podcast? Would like to ask you five rapid fire questions. Answer them as quickly as you can without a lot of thinking. Ready? <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, number one. What was the last pair of sneakers you caught? Um. Oh. Um. What did I cop? I think some gray. Oh, um, some gold, uh, some gold, uh, guest shoes. Some gold guest shoes? All gold guest shoes. Yeah, tennis shoes, high top. All right. What was the brand of the last cigar you smoked? Um, I do not <laughs> smoke cigars, but I, uh, do ride past. I don't know what's the club that's downtown. Oh, uh, D- David is... Okay, okay. That, what you say? Is it like David or something like that? I don't know what that's about. I've never been in there. I've only seen guys going there. So okay. I don't, you know, I peek and drive past it. But I think it's an interesting place. But I know, I think it might be a cigar spot. Okay, okay. That's fair enough. Okay. It's off um, of Franklin. <laughs> it's off of Franklin. I don't know if you guys know it, but I don't smoke cigars. So I don't. Uh, no, no, no doubt. Uh, Kobe or LeBron? Neither. Michael Jordan, always. You or can't. AI. Nah, there's no easy way out of these questions. Nobody, Absolutely not. I need you. Kobe and LeBron. The Mamba. Uh, the Mamba. <laughs> <laughs> See, women, women always try to switch something up, man. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. Because I got you. It's y'all, it's y'all game. Y'all the host. <laughs> I got you on record saying that. It's a lot of fights. And arguments I got into and see one of the court too was these over, but respect to to the black mamba, yeah. Now, who was your favorite football team? See, this might get me oh, put off your show. So, <laughs> so I don't I'm think a, there's I'm any a, answer. I, and you know what's weird is I felt like because I saw y'all, um, and like I said, I listened to the podcast, especially when y'all talked about. Uh, you know, Denver, um, the oh. defense and everything. So don't judge me. Can can I preface y'all? I know it's y'all show, but like, you know, like don't kick me out on the outskirts because of this or take my hip-hop professor card away, okay? Okay. Can both of y'all, Earl, Earl and Dale, can y'all agree? I'm going to judge you. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> 
that was the, the question was favorite player, correct? Your favorite? No, no, your favorite, favorite football team. Team. Okay. team. okay, I get grief every time I go out the house too on football weeks. Um, it is the Patriots. Oh, I knew she was gonna say that. I thought you were gonna say no, Steelers. I knew she was say because she was I, she was, she was gonna talk about not, Brady. <laughs> she was gonna talk about Brady. I can but hear it. Not even. But it's not even, it's it's actually, you know, Bill Belichick genius. And I'm not even going to get into a past there, but I'm not just a Hey Brady's handsome fan. I'm actually a huge Patriots O-line defense. Like, I'm I'm very into football. And That's so what that I know some I, of you I people. I the Ravens. That's right. But every time I go out in my jersey, like, I've had older people, like 60 and 70 years old at a restaurant. Like, you just ruined my bill because <laughs> We'll pray and for you. How am I supposed to pop off at somebody that's like my elder? Just so I just shook my head, like, "Thank you for stopping by, sir. Miss, can you get your husband?" Like, <laughs> we're, we're gonna pray for you on that, Doc. All right. You know what? I, we ain't gonna okay. lie. Hey, listen. There's no wrong, wrong or right answer to that question, but there is one question that does have a right or wrong answer. <laughs> okay. Comfort. Here we go. Or speed. Comfort. Absolutely. Absolutely. She got it right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, another successful interview. I don't th- has anybody gotten it wrong? Yeah, somebody, somebody got, got it wrong. wrong. I think he Craig said speed. Like, nigga, what the fuck's wrong? Oh, no, 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 no. Black Sports Online, dude. I can't think. Kel Dansby got it wrong. Ah, Kel Dansby. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. what's up. Kel Dansby got it wrong. Hey, man, we, we definitely appreciate you um, taking your time out um, interviewing with us. Um, we're going to do one more time. What is your social media? You said my social media? One more time. Okay, you bet. I'll go real slow this time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you like how I put that in for you? Okay. So um, it is for Twitter. It is at the underscore hip underscore hop underscore lecturer. E-R um, instead of ending with the E. And for IG... FB and Google Plus, it is the hip hop lectures. And IG is the underscores in between there as well. All right, Dr. Osborne. Um, what is, can, can I ask you one more question before we get out of here? Sure. What the hell does the TL stand for? Tough luck. Um, my, first name, <laughs> my, first name, <laughs> my first name is Tanisha, and my middle name is Lorraine. Okay. And um, just a side note, the reason I uh, use my initials is because um, in business and media, mm-hmm. um, I do and fare better when people don't know my gender. Uh, and because of the topic of hip-hop, people assume that my book may go through uh, just the bashing side of women saying uh, that men need to fix hip hop or the feminist voice. Because so I make a point um, because I want people to come at it objectively and at me objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I remove the gender from my name and I do TL. And so that's just a, a business uh, lesson that I learned from uh, a lot of other people that preceded me in different venues and areas, especially females. Okay, because there's a there's a white pastor with the same name, and I was getting fucked it up. It is the poor <laughs> You're like, yo, I know he, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. one of them televangelists dudes. Right, I saw right. that too. He, but right, he got he got a huge following. So if people go looking, and you know his people end up on my side, and they think that's his book, I'm fine with it. That's dope. That's dope. That's what's up, man. Once again, um, TL TL Osborne, Doctor TL Osborne, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. The fact is. We have blood, 
We have sweat and we have partied our way across this universe. We own it. We rule it. You don't like it? Ha! Do something about it.